So today is the final installment of a four-part series that we have entitled, But First God. Have you enjoyed the series, church? Has it been helpful to you? Awesome. I honestly think this is one of the best ones we've done. I've heard a lot of great feedback. I heard it's been very helpful. So uh, I'm excited. This is, the, um, this is the big one, all right? This is a good one for you. Hopefully it helps you. Uh, but the reason we've been doing this is because uh, as in the, in the process of many of you forming new resolutions and new habits for your life, uh, what we're discovering, and we all know this, what you do first really matters. Uh, and th- there is a, a thing called the priority of first or the principle of first. Uh, what you do first really matters. And so what we've been doing is we've been trying to formulate these habits for our physical being to have a great year. And, and the series has been a, a reminder that you would not forget about your soul, that you would also bring some attention to your spiritual life and not only focus on your physical life. But I know that we're trying to have a great year. You, you, you are not putting yourself through the pain and the suffering uh, of some regimented uh, eating habits and disciplines or whatever, working out, whatever the case is for you. You're not doing that just to do it. You're doing it because you want to have a great year. And, and we've said this throughout the series, but this can be the best year of your life. And, and, and I just believe it can be if it's the best year of your life spiritually. So we need to uh, put some habits in place that help our soul and help our spiritual life progress. And in in doing so, we will ensure that we will have uh, the best year of our lives. I'm excited about that. I'm excited for you. uh, And I hope this series has helped you. So today... Um, let's, I want to jump in today's message, but I want to look at a verse we looked at last week. It's John 8, 31 through 32. It says this, Jesus said, uh, and if Jesus said it, you know it's important. If you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. We must hold on to the teachings of Jesus. We must hold on. It's one thing to hear the teachings of Jesus, and it's another thing to actually grasp a hold of and hold on to the teachings of Jesus. This was an important, I believe, uh, important series within the life of our church. But after today, this series is gone. It's no more. And I'm asking you as you move into the next series that you would hold on to the word of God. You'd hold on to the teachings of Jesus that hopefully this series has inspired you and lit a fire under you and, and hopefully grown a passion for God's word. So today, my burden and my assignment is to help you to hold on to God's word. That's what I want to do today. If you do this... The Bible says you will truly be a disciple of Jesus. And if you do, the next verse says this, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, that word know right there, know the truth, it's not a mental know. It's the Greek word gnosko. It means to know, which means a heart knowledge, not a head knowledge. So we have to know God and know his word, not not mentally, but in our heart. It's this faith concept that we believe in it. Even, even the devil believes, he has a heart knowledge, or a head knowledge, he knows God, but he doesn't have that heart knowledge. And that's what we want to do in this, in this message today, is transfer in, in just what you read in scripture from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. And this is a powerful verse, because it says if you hold on to the teachings of Jesus, you hold on the teachings of scripture, and you know them in your heart, then you will find freedom. And I know so many people are looking for some freedom. They're stuck in some sin. They have some problems they can't can't overcome. And it seems like a new year, it's the same demons. It's the same problems. Could it be that you could get freedom from these by holding on to God's word? So my burden for today, I know for so many, the first goal is just to read the Bible. That's a good place to start. Just a good good entry point for people to, to read your Bible, to get in the habit of reading. But as you do... Uh, and it'll challenge you. I, w- I want to get it from your head to your heart. And so how we get it from our head to our heart is by holding on to God's word. What does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you're taking message notes, the title of this morning's message is Hold On. Come on, church. Everybody say, Hold On. All right, well, let's pray. We jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. May you teach us today to hold on to it. Teach us, Lord, how to make this word go from our head to our heart. In Jesus' name, Come on, church. Amen. Amen. Holding on to something can be difficult. Y'all seen Titanic? You know what I'm saying, okay? Holding on to something can be very, very difficult. Let's talk about your resolutions for a second. Uh, We are almost a month in, and how are your resolutions doing? How many of you guys are holding on to your resolutions that you made on January 1st? 
How many of you have titanic it? You just let it go. You've Elsa. It's Elsa up in here. It's frozen. You let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Some of y'all like, oh, that, that was a good, good idea, but not today. All right? We're letting it go. There are two things that you must hold on to. And first, I just want to kind of kick this off. First is your relationship with God. You cannot let go of your relationship with God. And, and I, hopefully as a church, we, we've, we've helped you start this year out on a, on a really strong spiritual note. Hopefully, many of you guys have come through the series. Maybe you listened to it online. Or, and maybe you came to 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, which was just an incredible time. How many of you guys enjoyed 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting? It's usually about the response we get. It's like, a, like an awkward golf slow clap. You're like, you know, it's, 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 it's tough dying to flesh. It's tough doing these things, but they are so worth it, and I pray that you'll see the results of that this year. But you've got to hold on to God's word, and I hope you, I just want to say congratulate. You have a great start on this year, okay, spiritually. Here's the second thing that you must hold on to. You must hold on to the relationships that are most important to you in life. Side note, last, uh, next week, we'll kick off a brand new series on relationships called Relationship Goals. I'm excited about this series. It's our first ever relationship series. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, married, uh, you know, single, ready to mingle, whatever your, whatever your thing is, right? Uh, hopefully, this series will help you. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll find a relationship by coming. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what God will do? Uh, but I'm excited about it. In the end of the series, we'll have our first ever marriage conference. Uh, so if, you're, if, if, if you can, just jot this down. February 24th through 25th is our first ever marriage conference. We'll tell you more and more about that as we get closer, but I just want you to reserve that in your calendar. Uh, it's going to be a great time here up at the church. Uh, but it's, think about this. It's, it's hard to hold on to a relationship with God, and some of us struggle with that, and God is perfect and we are imperfect, right? And even that is hard when you have a perfect being involved. Imagine with two imperfect people, how hard it is to hold on to a relationship with two imperfect people. It's something we have to work at, but it's, it's encouraging today to know that it is possible. So today, as we wrap up the series, I want to talk about how we hold on to God's word, all right? So I have a lot of content for you this morning. So you're going to want to take some notes. There's always, as always, there's a, a note uh, a note card in the seat back pocket in front of you. You can take notes or use your phone. This is one you'll want to take notes on. Here we go. So four ways to hold on to God's word. Y'all ready? Come on, church. Say yes. yes. All right. First, you got to make it foundational. You got to make it foundational. Make the word of God the foundation of your life, meaning this, everything in your life is built upon nothing else but the word of God. You know, when you look at a building, you don't see the most important part of the building, and that is the foundation. But the foundation, as most of our builder friends in the room will tell you, the foundation is the most important part of the build. And I would say this today, this point right here is the most important part. As you learn to hold on to God's word, making it foundation, foundational is the most important part of this message. And, and for you, it's the most important that you would make God's word foundational. Because here's what I know, that the quality of the structure is dependent upon the foundation that was built. So the quality of your marriage, the quality of your emotions, the quality of your life, the quality of your parenting is contingent upon the integrity of the foundation that you've built for your life. Jesus spoke about this in the book of Matthew, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice how to be a wise man. You cannot only hear the words of God, but you also have to put them into practice. You have to do them. Meaning if you don't do the words of Jesus, you're not wise, you're a fool. Now the Bible refers to itself as a rock, as the foundation, a solid foundation. And the next verse shows us why Jesus talks about a solid foundation. Because the storms of life, they're on their way. The storms are a coming, church. They're coming. Matthew 7, 25 says this, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I wish I could tell you that nothing in 2023 will harm you. <laughs> There's, you're going to be great. It's going to be an easy, breezy year, right? But how many of y'all know every year brings its own set of challenges? And I know based upon this passage right here that storms are coming. Just know that storms are on their way, and I want you to be prepared for the storms when they come, not be taken by surprise, but instead be prepared to know exactly where to turn when the storms do come, because they're coming. 
The problem is many of us, many people, they don't build their life on the word of God. You get to pick what you build your life on. You get to pick what your foundation is. And so many people choose to build their lives on something other than the word of God. People fall into this trap all the time. Let me give you some examples of what people build their life on. Here's some foundations that people build their life on. Here's the first one, pop culture. We see this in our culture, that many people build their life on culture and pop culture. Have you noticed how culture is really good at telling us, especially our younger generation, telling them how to live and how to act? It's not, it's not the teachings of, of the Bible. It's not their parents. Culture gets to have that place in their life. Pop culture through music, social media, TV, and movies, they encourage a lifestyle. And so many people fall into this trap that they do whatever culture tells them to do. If it's cool, you get it. If it's the newest trendy thing, you say it. If others are doing it, then you go and do it too. However, we know that the trends come and go, and for those of you who have been around a while, sometimes they'll come back around, you know. The trends, they'll always make themselves come back around. But the trends, they'll come and go, but the Word of God never leaves. The Word of God never changes. I think we need to wrestle with a question. I want you to really seriously take this question to heart. This year, 2023, how much of the secular will I allow into my life? I just want to pause here. I think if you can figure out that question, this will be a great year for you. For your family, for your kids, how much of the secular are you going to allow into your life this year? Because TV, music, social media, movies, fashion, what we spend our time doing, it gets into us. And how much are you going to allow into you of the secular? The more movies, the more music, the more TV you watch, that gets in you. I'm just asking, would you grapple with this question? How much of the secular are you going to allow into your life? So pop culture is, a, is, is a, a foundation that many people build their life on. Here's another one, and I might get on a soapbox on this one, tradition. Tradition. For many people, their life is not built on the truth, but instead built on tradition. Now, there's nothing wrong with traditions. We all have them. But a lot of times, people will hold on to their traditions at the expense of the truth. They think that the traditions are more important than the truth itself, that the traditions were put in place in the beginning to symbolize. That's what we often see in people. When you challenge somebody on what they do, they usually get defensive and you'll find yourself in a fight because they're set in their ways. They're set on their traditions. Think about how many people, they, 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 they don't want to change their life. They don't want to change the way that they do things, especially if they find comfort and pleasure in it. But at the same time, they're willing to change the Bible to fit their agenda so that they have comfort and pleasure. This is the case in many churches today. There are churches out there who are unwilling to take down steeples because it's been a tradition. Yet they're wanting to change the Bible to fit their agenda on same-sex marriage. So they'll go to town. Do not take away my steeple. Yeah, you can change the word of God. I'm all good with that. I just think they're fighting the wrong fight. If you're unwilling to change on tradition, yet willing to change on truth, you're in trouble. Mark 7, 8 says this, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. The traditions have become more important than the truth. It's like a church that meets and has a worship service and no one is worshiping because they don't enjoy the music. They don't enjoy the songs. The songs are outdated and overdone. We don't have uh, songs for tradition's sake. We have songs for worship's sake. Today, Pastor Johnny uh, introduced two new songs. Two new songs, I, I deal in this every day and I've never heard those two songs. Like, like this is, we want to bring some new stuff. We're not set in our traditions. We want to bring new, because we want to lead you in worship. That's the end goal. And I think holding on to, to traditions and forsaking the truth is the death sentence for many churches in the world. They're going to hold on to their traditions all the way to death. Now, we got pop culture, we have tradition. Here's the next one that we see many people build their foundation on, 
reason. This one might be a shocker to you. For many people, their foundation is built on, well, let me think about that for a minute, and then I'll get back to you. Let me give you my opinion. I've thought about it, and this is what I think needs to happen. This one is for sure happening in the church across the world. I know what the Bible says about marriage. I know what the Bible says about the sanctity of life. But, but times have changed. I don't think the Bible is, is accurate for today's world. It's outdated. And so what, what people have done is they've taken the, the, the truth of God's word and they've replaced it for what they think should take place based upon their own reasoning. That's called relative truth, not absolute truth. You are now discovering and determining what is true instead of turning to the truth. Now, the Bible warns us about this. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that appears to be right. You may think it to be right because of your reasoning, but in the end, it just leads to death. When you go your own way and try to reason it, figure it out for yourself, could it be, it may seem right in the beginning, but in the end, it just doesn't lead to life. My encouragement to you today is this. There will come a time when you read a scripture, you hear truth of God that goes against what you think is right or you think what should happen. My encouragement to you is don't, don't allow your reasoning to lead you. Don't let that be your foundation. Allow God's truth to be your foundation. Pop culture, tradition, reasoning, and here's the next one, feelings. Feelings for all the feelers in the room. For others, their foundation is built on their feelings. This one is the most ridiculous one to build your life on, yet it is the most common. If it feels good, come on, you know it, do it. If it feels good, it must be right. Here's the problem. Your feelings will lie to you. Feelings are wonderful, but they can't be trusted as the guide to your life. We've said this before, but feelings make great followers, but terrible leaders. When you find yourself wanting to follow your feelings opposed to God's word, you will always find yourself in chaos. In fact, the Israelites did this. They were left to their own devices. They started to follow their own feelings. And here's what the Bible says, Judges 21, 25. At that time, there was no king in, in, in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing, and it led to chaos. It led to, to destruction. Don't fall into this trap and do whatever you feel like doing in the moment because it will always lead to chaos. So I'm going to ask you two questions that you can just ponder there. This is definitely uh, a message you can respond and just be thinking and hopefully applicable to your life. But I just want you to think about two questions to see if God's word really is the foundation of your life. Okay, just process this. Ponder it for a second. First thing is this. What do you do when you don't understand? When you come across a scripture that, that you just don't understand or you hear a biblical truth that just doesn't make sense to you, what do you do? You may not understand what God is doing and you may not understand what God is saying, but you must resolve inside yourself that you're going to follow him regardless. We, we sacrifice that. That's like up for discussion for many people. The situation looks like there's no way out, yet I choose to trust him anyways. I don't know why I'm at this place in my life, but I'm choosing to trust God anyways. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, this is one of my top three favorite verses of the entire scripture. For my thoughts, God says this, are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That pretty much covers it all right there. <laughs> of course you don't understand it, because you're not God. Of course you don't understand it because you're not the one orchestrating this whole thing out and holding the world together. Think about it. Just think about it. If you knew all things, wouldn't that make you God? So shouldn't there be some unknowns out there? Well, because that's not the case, I don't think anyone in here is God except the one true God who is among us. There are going to be some things that we just don't get from time to time because God is a lot bigger than us and his understanding is a lot bigger than our understanding. I had a thought when I was preparing this message. So many people are comfortable with a God the size of themselves and their own understanding. That's what people want a God that they can put into place, 
a God that checks their boxes, a God that meets their own understanding, not me. I want a God who knows more than I do, who understands far more than I understand, and I'm okay with being a little confused from time to time. I'm good with that because it shows that I believe in a bigger God than myself. So here's the other question just for you to ponder today is the word of God really your foundation? What do you do when you don't like it? This one's hard to swallow. What do you do when you read a scripture that you just disagree with? And just to be the blunt truth teller for you today, you don't have to like it, but you got to obey it if you want to be a follower of Jesus. When I read something in the Bible that I don't agree with or I know I'm not doing well in, I'm not asking the Bible to change to fit my stage of life and my reasoning. It's my job to change to fit the teachings of the Bible. And so many people just want the Bible to change their situation and their circumstances and their understanding. The Bible doesn't work that way. It's unchanging. And it won't change for you. But us as followers of Jesus, our instruction is to change to fit the Bible. I need to let you in a little secret. Truth be told, until you obey the Bible, for some of it, you will never understand. Because understanding is on the other side of obedience. When you obey, then you understand. As a pastor, this is tragic for me. For, for, to see someone reject the teachings of Scripture when they never tried it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. Well, have you ever tried it? No. Well, how, how can you ever know? How can you ever know that this isn't going to be a benefit to you if you've never embraced it? Much of your Bible will not be understood until you obey the teachings of Jesus, then you will understand. Not the other way around. We need to make the Bible the foundation of our life. We must have this one first, because without this one, I don't know if you can do the next three, all right? So figure this one out first. Make the Word of God foundational. Here's the second one. Make it first. We're going to make it foundational, and we're going to make it first. Meaning this, make it the first part of your daily life. And as a pastor, I want to challenge you each week to walk and to progress in your faith journey, to take the next step with Christ. But I also need to make it doable and achievable for you. So, so in this point, I want to show you how you could put God first in your daily life. But let me show you a verse first, then I'll show you how. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You get to decide what you put first. No one else has that power for your life. You can seek your needs first. You can seek your emails first. You can seek your problems first. You can seek social media first. Or you can seek the kingdom of God first. You get to choose what you seek first. And I love this scripture. Throw that scripture back up there for me one more time, Dave. It's amazing because we have a promise from God that if we do that, then we're guaranteed the rest. But if you pursue the rest instead of the kingdom, you may not get the kingdom. But if you seek the kingdom first, you'll get the rest as well. You can say it this way. When you focus on God, God focuses on you. It's how this progression works. As we put our time, attention, worship towards God, God turns around and says, you want to play that way? All right, I got your back. So... I said, I want to help you do this. For some, I want to give you a challenge. Maybe if you're new to this, struggling to get into this, how do I read my word? How do I have a devotion? I want to help you today. Uh, but maybe for some of you, this, you're way past this, and I'm okay with that as well. But if you're struggling to get into God's word, let me give you just an easy model to follow. This is called the first 15, the first 15. So we're going to start out with five minutes in worship. Let's just pause here. 15 minutes in a day. I'm wondering today, can you give God 15 minutes? Okay, that's, where, that's the, the starting level, 15 minutes. But we're going to start with five minutes of worship. Five minutes of worship is really one song. I mean, most of the songs that I listen to in worship, are, they're much longer than that. So, I mean, we're talking about half a song maybe. Whatever you can do, just, just, you don't have to worship if you're not comfortable yet. Just listen to the words, read the words. I mean, what we experience today in worship is what I want you to experience in a daily, daily uh, devotional life. There's something about worship that the peace of God comes over us. We experience something powerful, supernatural. That's what I want for you in your devotional life. So, so worship. 
Now, now some of you have, I don't know if you know where to find worship. Okay, there's a thing called Spotify uh, for for all of you guys, you can have some kids help you with this. Uh, iTunes. Uh, I honestly find most of my worship music, I just set up my computer when I'm working and I set it up on YouTube and just, it just plays the worship music. It, it, whatever helps you. But just get in the habit of, of worshiping. Maybe it's in the car. Maybe you want to turn on the radio station uh, that, that's in Austin that, that plays Christian music or whatever your thing is. Just, just surround yourself with worship. Why? Because Psalm 34.1 says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. So we're going to start out with worship. Then we're going to move to the next five, which is the word, the word. We've been selling the one-year Bible. We still have those available, many Bibles you can choose from. Read it. I mean, there's so many different, I mean, you can find the, the Version Bible app. There's so many tools out there to help you get the word of God. But I'm just encouraging you to find something. And, and, and maybe like in five minutes, you can read a chapter. Let's say you don't have five minutes. Let's say you have three minutes. <laughs> I'm helping you here, okay? Read a couple of the headings, okay? You don't have three minutes. You could read one verse, church, like, I think at least reading one verse is better than not reading anything at all, all right? Let's let that be your starting place. That's fine. But five minutes in, in reading the word, I, I was uh, for a season commuting an hour and a half each way when I was working in Dallas uh, before we moved, and I just resolved to myself, I'm going to listen to the entire Bible. So I, I got the Bible uh, on digital, and I just, in, in about six months, I listened to the entire Bible. Like, I, that's just, it was just something I wanted to do. I had the time. Wh- whatever it is, maybe you're driving the car, you get a long commute, put the Bible app on and see what can help you. But you got to get the word in you because Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Then five minutes in prayer. You know, we've been saying this in this series, but uh, in his word, he speaks to you, but in prayer, you speak to him. So my question is, when was the last time God heard from you? Not, not this Hail Mary prayer like, dear God, please make this happen. Or, or God, if you do this, I'll forever, whatever. You know, it's like we make these Hail Mary prayers. I'm not talking about that. When was the last time you had a converse, conversation with God? Like, like you were talking to a friend. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Let me help you with that. Let me give you a verse. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, here's the guide right here. You're going to pray through thanksgiving and making your request known to God. So, so just take some time. Even the Lord's Prayer is a great model. You start with praise and you end with praise. So we're going to praise God first. We're going to thank him for all he's done. And then in the middle there, just kind of, you just do your laundry list right about there. You know, just like, just throw them in there, you know, and ask God. Have a conversation. He does care, by the way. But let's just make sure it's not all about the request. We, we make sure we thank him and we praise him as well. But this is a great guide for you if you're struggling to pray. You can do this, church. And if you do... You pray, you seek God, here's the promise for you, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, the very next verse, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I just picture Jesus, like, like, armored up with a sword or, like, a spear. I don't know, something epic, you know, an AR. You know, just, like, he's just there. He's got it all, actually, you know, and a bazooka. I don't know, he's got it all, and he's just, like, guarding you. He's going to guard your hearts and your minds, and all you got to do is pray, seek him, put him first in your life. If you need a place to start, first 15 is a great place to start. Okay, so we're going to make it foundational. We're going to make it first. Here's the third thing as we continue on. We're going to make it grow deeper in us. Make God's word, we want to hold on to it, get deeper and deeper within us. We will do, as a church, we'll do all that we can do to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord, to get you deeper. However, this one right here, making it deeper in you, that's all on you. We're going to lead you, we're going to help you, but we can't do this for you. Think about this. I want you to think hard on this question. Where are you at with God today? Because you are today as close with God as you have wanted to be. There's not. I'm going to keep going, though. Um, Thank you, Siri. Siri's always got me. I mean, we're, we're tight. The government, they're listening. Let them listen. That's right. Let them listen. You are where you're at with God today as a result of your passion and pursuit of him. You have complete control on how deep your relationship with the Lord grows. No one else decides that for you. You get to decide that. Colossians 3.16 says, let the message of Christ dwell richly in you. Let, Let this word just dwell inside of you. 
But here's the key to this, the very first word, let. You have to let the word of God in. God is a gentleman and he's not going to force himself in. He, he won't do it. You have to let him in. So the question I have for you is, are you letting the word of God in to you? Let him in. Just to give you a little illustration, I'm going to have Heather uh, give me uh, some, some tea, okay? I'm going to do a little message illustration here. She's she got to get it hot, so this is why we're doing this. Oh, did it just break? Did you break things? You got this. I believe in you. We've practiced like eight times. We got it down. Oh, no. Oh, you got it. We got it. Okay. Yes, you got it, Heather. Way to go. Scared you. One job. You're messing it up. No, just kidding. All right, just kind of put it up here for me. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it, Heather. Yes, thank you very much. How many of you guys like tea? Are y'all tea drinkers? I mean, I'm more of a coffee guy myself, but let this cup represent you for a minute. It's plain. It's clear. It's, it is what it is. I've got my chosen mug here. It's, it's nothing really special going on right now. But, but in, in this message, what I want to help you to do is take some dips. Now, I know that word is weird, but let me just kind of go with me here, okay? I'm trying to lead you to dip a little bit. I'm just, sorry, I'm, I'm not talking about dipping, but anyway, I gotta, it's the only word I got. Saturate, I don't know, plunge. Here we go. We're gonna, I, I want to help you to, yeah, to steep, to, to dip a little bit, okay? It just works better with my message. We're going to take some dips here, okay? I just want to help you dip again and again. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just I, I knew that was going to come off wrong, and it did, but I got to get you dipping more. That's, I'm sorry. I just, I just got to get you dipping more. Because what happens if you do? When you start to take a little bit more spiritual dips here, whether that be the word, prayer, all these things I'm trying to help you do, you begin to look a little bit more different. Here's what's happening. When you take dips, you take on the nature of the very thing that's influencing you. So now you're no longer white. You begin to look like the very thing that you're taking on. I got to help you take some more dips in your life. So what are those dips? I have a few dips for you. First thing is this, you got to get a Bible translation you like. People ask me, what's the deal with all the translations? I know it can be confusing. I'm going to get a little dip in while we're talking. <laughs> Maybe I want to drink it. Probably not. People want to know what's the, what's the deal with all the translations. Well, it's because the Bible was not written in English and needed to be translated into English just like it's translated in, into many different languages. So, so the Bible translator would translate the original text into English based upon his biblical translation accuracy, okay? Now, in 1611, the King James Version was one of the first translations into English, and it sounded like how they spoke in that day and time, that, that old English language. Now, it's funny because because of the King James Version, people think that Jesus was from England, and I know this to be true because when people, when people pray, they throw the thee and the thou and the thus and the art in there, you know? Well, Jesus, he understands modern English as well, okay? So you can feel free to talk to him just as you are, all right? I want to help you today. But as we look at translations, I hope this helps you today. The, there's three different types of Bible translations. Here's the first one, formal uh, equivalency translations, so, so in formal equivalency translations, they took the original text, the translators, and they transcribed it from the original language into English, word for word. The problem is they didn't consider grammar, and the grammar changes over time. Now, as you know, we're not using the same grammar structure as the Greeks did and the Hebrews did 2,000 years ago. We know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic, predominantly Greek. And we know we do not use the same grammar structure. So these translations, they were written word-for-word -word translations, not considering the changes of grammar. Some examples here are the King James Version. I know many of you prefer that. Uh, the New King James Version, uh, the New American Standard Bible, and the English Standard Version. I like, out of these, I like the English Standard Version. It's what I study from. It's what I like to read. I've always been told, I don't know if this is true in Bible school, they told me uh, that it's the closest to the Greek. So uh, I'll let the professor, I'll yield to him on that. But I think, I think that's true. And so I've always used, the English Standard Version when I study. Now, so that is the formal equivalency. Here's a second grouping here. And we have the functional equivalencies, the functional equivalencies. So, so in the functional equivalencies, 
the, the transcribers, they took the original text and they transcribed it not word for word, but thought for thought. And they considered the grammar now. So it makes a little bit more sense to us as we read it. They took the sentence as it was written and translated it into today's way of speaking and grammar use. Some examples of this are the New Living Translation, the NLT. Uh, by the way, the NLT is known to be uh, the great, uh, it's, it's, it's greatest used for devotional purposes. If you want an easy read as you're uh, growing in your faith and just learning, uh, read, read the NLT. It'll help you in your devotional time. Uh, the Good News Translation, the Today's English Version Translation, and the New International Version. Now, you may notice, just kind of question here, what is the translation that I use almost every single message, most verses to preach out of? NIV, thank you. The NIV, and we use this for a reason, because NIV kind of is in a category all of its own. It, it does a great job of merging the two together, this formal equivalency plus the functional equivalency. A uh, hundred scholars gathered together in 1987 to form what we now read as the NIV, the, um, uh, and, 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 and as the, new IV, the NIV, um, that the NIV has outsold all the other translations, including the King James Version. So, so the NIV is a great, great uh, tool for you. Obviously, I use it in all my messages. Here's the last grouping here, is the paraphrase Bibles. You have the, L, the LB, uh, the, the, the Living Bible, and the Message Translation. Now, these translations were not used... Uh, for the purposes of copying the original text. They took the modern-day English and paraphrased it uh, to make it an easy read. The LB, the Living Bible itself, was not even written as a translation of the Bible. It was a gentleman who translated the Bible to fit his kids. So if you want a good tool for your kids, the LB is a great paraphrase that's easy for kids to read. So just these tools. And then now we have the message. It's the most popular paraphrase. It's very easy to read from. It's very relatable for us. And it's fun. Watch this. I'll show you kind of an example. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. That'll be our verse. Here's the King James Version. You know it well. Charity suffereth long. I know that's how you talk. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. All right? There we go. That is the King James straight old English translation. Now, charity is actually derived from the Greek word agape, which means love. So what's the NIV? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You've probably heard that in a wedding before. Now the message. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for oneself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled up head. Just a little bit more of a modern translation here. It doesn't matter what translation you like. Just find a translation that you can read. And, and I just have one more for you, okay? Just because I found out right before I, was, I, I was, uh, came up to preach that um, in, my la in the last service that Pastor Grant uh, gave some of the, the Zao High kids, some of the youth students, uh, a special translation, okay? <laughs> Y'all ready for this? This is the, um, go ahead and throw it up here. It's the, I, I, was, I don't know why I didn't write it down. It's the, it's the Hawaiian Pigeon, Hawaiian pigeon, thank you. Hawaiian pigeon, y'all ready for this? God win got so plenty love in a whole lot foda people inside the world that he win send me. Anyways, you get the concept. Okay. The funny thing is, like, it's, it's funny, and that obviously makes sense for somebody. Somebody's, like, loving this translation, right? <laughs> Max forever. I love the end, you know? <laughs> but it, this is funny. So Pastor Grant gives some youth kids this translation, and they have only been reading this translation because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> whatever it takes, you know, like whatever it takes, find a translation that works for you. Okay. So what are, what are the dips? What are the dips that help us to, to, to change and to become more and more like God? You got to get a, a Bible translation that you like. Here's the second thing. You got to get a study Bible. You got to get a study Bible. Uh, before I jump into study Bibles, there's something about the Bible, and I've talked about this before, that, that like the hand, one you can hold in your hand, you can smell it, you can feel it, and, 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 and there's been studies done that say that it, you can actually, helps you to retain what you're reading if you're actually reading it uh, from a paperback uh, book or Bible, whatever you're reading, it just helps you to retain, so that's obviously true for scripture. I, I just encourage you to get a Bible, and, and 
we told a story a couple weeks ago about giving away some Bibles, and someone in our family came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Jared, uh, we want to help. We believe in that. Uh, so we want to give you $1,000 a quarter. That's $4,000 a year just to buy Bibles and to give them away. Uh, so we've been uh, commissioned now to do that. We're going to do some stuff with the students to get them some Bibles, maybe the Hawaiian version. I don't know, uh, but we're going to get some Bibles and make them available to you. So uh, on your way out today, if you want a Bible, you're free to take it because of this generous family, okay? Uh, and if you want to take a Bible for a friend, you can take it. If you can pay for it, pay for it, uh, because we want everyone to get one if, if they want that. But I think that, I just love our church for that reason. One of the things we say is find a need and fill it. And this family said, I see a need, I want to fill that need, and uh, to God be the glory on that. So isn't that awesome? I think it's, I just love our church for that. All right, so study Bibles. Get a study Bible that you like. I'm just, I won't go into too much uh, time on this, but let me throw up four uh, that are good for you to pick up if you'd like them. Uh, here's, here they are here. My favorite is the fourth one, the ESV study Bible. Uh, it's a really good tool to pick up. That's the one that I use and I study from. Uh, number three, the Maxwell Leadership Bible. If you're a business leader, uh, you got one right there, Rach. Yeah, if you, if you are a business leader, that's a really good tool. It gives you uh, leadership lessons. And so a study Bible, what they're doing is they're taking verses uh, and they're giving you a commentary. And so you're learning from a, a theologian's perspective on the verse that you're reading. So I encourage you to pick up a study Bible, all right? So we're going to get a Bible translation we like. We've got to get a study Bible. And here's the third thing is to get in a small group. Why? Because now you've heard it. Now you need to talk about it. You need a safe place to talk about Scripture, to talk about things that you're learning, talk about questions that you might have. So today is our block party. And after service, we'll have 20 groups represented out in the courtyard for you to kind of tour and to talk to and ask questions. I'd encourage you to take it seriously. Don't rush out. Stop and, and talk to some people. Uh, see if you relate to them. See if you can get along with them. See if they have any funny twerks or twitches that you will get really annoyed by. Ignore that group. Keep moving on. Just find someone that's relatable, that you like, you feel like you can do some life with. Learn about the studies. What are they doing? Um, and so there's a lot of different options out there. Let me just show you real quick our group structure just to help you make a decision. So what we're launching today really is our connect and discipleship groups. Uh, our discipleship, our, our, our growth groups take place all the time, all throughout the year. Uh, but twice a year, two semesters, 12 weeks each, uh, we have these uh, connect and discipleship groups that we launch. So today what's available to you is some common interest groups. Maybe they're going to movies or family dinners uh, or a, a running group. I don't know exactly what's being out there today. Uh, there might be some Bible study groups uh, that are going to be intense uh, discipleship, intense Bible study. Maybe that's what you want. I know there's some groups that will just take the messages from Sunday uh, and they'll take my notes and then they'll just, just discuss it in their small groups. Uh, so different types of groups, you can kind of uh, out, th out there find what, what you might be interested in. And we also have discipleship groups. I'm excited about these. Discipleship groups take place on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. up here at the church. Now, groups launch in two weeks, so in two Wednesdays, uh, we'll officially launch these discipleship groups. And what we have this semester is, one, we have a foundations group uh, but led uh, by Jack Allen, who is a, a, a I, I, you probably hate the attention, but he's, he's a Bible professor, uh, pastor for many, many years. And he, he, the question he kind of wants to just answer is, what, what's next? Like, what, what now? I'm in the faith. What, what do I do now? So maybe if you're new to the faith, you have some questions, you want to talk about kind of fundamental, foundational things, this would be a great group for you. But it's a discipleship group. It's more teacher setting uh, and, and maybe even some, some group work at home, uh, things like that. And then I teach a freedom group. If you want to uh, get free from your past, free from sin and addiction, uh, free from father wounds, uh, free from soul, uh, soul ties, uh, bloodline curses, generational iniquities, things like that, that's what we focus on in our freedom class. Uh, and so those are just some more intense discipleship-based groups. Uh, if you want to hear more, we have tables out there. But that's what's available to you. Uh, and then growth groups are what happen all throughout the year. As you know, we have many men's groups and women's groups and activities uh, that are available to you. So I just encourage you to find a group that fits your needs, all right? And we're just taking these dips. And after time, we become more and more like a cup of tea. <laughs> we're no longer uh, uh, what we used to be or what we, what we were before, we are now changing into the image and likeness of Christ. These dips that you take, these intentional things that you do to progress in your faith, they will change your life. The longer you steep, you become what you let into your life. This is what I want for you. You're not supposed to just read the Bible. You gotta let the Bible come in and change you from the inside out. All right, let me close with this, the fourth point. So we're making it foundational. We're making it first. We're growing deeper. Here's the fourth and final thing. We're going to make it a weapon. 
going to make it a weapon. I said it this way because the Bible says it this way. Too often, we make the things of God in our quiet times, these passive and non-confrontational times. And the Bible doesn't see it that way. The Bible says we're at war. Have you noticed the war that we're engaged in inside our culture? This is not a time for passivity. It's a time to fight. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day, when the day, let's say that again, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done all that you can do, you've done everything, you stand. It's not an if, it's a when. Evil is on the way. There is an attack coming your way. But God gave us a weapon. Just for fun, because we just talked about the message translation, look what the message says about that same verse. Be prepared. I'm just concerned that some of us are not prepared for the fight. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. So what do we do? Ephesians 6, 17, you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the armor of God. And out of the entire armor of God, God only gave us one offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. So what does that mean? We use the word of God. We use the Bible as a weapon to fight against the enemy. Jesus did it. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he was being attacked by the devil. And Jesus, of all people, could have done a lot worse to the devil. But instead of fighting physically or casting him out of, some, of, of where he was, he fought back with scripture. He says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Satan was trying to put Jesus in this place and Jesus, instead of fighting him physically, he said, it is written. It is written. He did it three other times. It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus fought with the sword of the spirit. You need to know the word of God. You don't have to know the entire thing and memorize the entire thing, but you need to have a few that you go to. That when you're up against a situation, when you know the enemy is coming after you, you have some some verses you just pull out and throw at them. You fight back. Maybe it's, it's a verse for your kids. The enemy's coming after your kids. Find a verse to fight back against the enemy for your kids. Maybe it's for your marriage. Find a verse that you can battle for your marriage. Now, I came across a thought that I've never thought before, and it's this. I find it interesting that the Bible says that the enemy fights by throwing fiery darts at us. Have you, I don't know if you've read that before, but he, he fought, he, it's a bow and arrow. You've seen like pirate movies, they light the tip on fire and they're like, yeehaw, you know, pew, pew. You know, it's like, but, but, but think, think about this, that's a coward move. Because you can get as far back as you can get, and you're just like, pew, you know, I'm going to attack him here. Get him in his butt, boo, you know, should have said that. Here we go. I'm going to attack him, pew, pew. I'm going to attack their marriage, pew. I'm going to attack their kids, pew. Like, that's how the enemy fights. He's like dodging. He's a coward. He's running. He's just like, he doesn't get up in your grill. He shoots you from afar with some fiery darts. Yet God gave you a weapon, and here's the thought that I had. It's not the same one as the enemy fights with you. God did not give you a bow and arrow. He gave you a sword. Think about that. Meaning this, you're not meant to fight like a coward. You're meant to stand strong, stand on the word of God, grab the sword of the spirit, and you fight every attack the enemy comes at you with. We're not running. We're not looking silly. We're standing strong, and we have our weapon. So let's give you one final point on this right here. We're talking about being at war. Here's how you fight with the sword of the spirit. You memorize scripture. Whatever you're going through, find a verse for that situation. Memorize it. Allow it to help you through the situation. That way, when the enemy comes to attack you once again, you take your memorized scripture and you fight back against him. I want to close with a verse. I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to pray it over you. How do we hold on to the word of God? Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Here's the verse. How can a young person 
stay on the path of purity. I think what it's like, how can we make it through life? Like there's so much against us. There's so many challenges. There's so many problems. How can we make it? Here's how you make it, by living according to your word, God's word. I seek you with my whole heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. How do we make it in life? We live by according to the word of God. That's how we make it. Well, how do we do that? The next verse says, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide the word of God in your heart, church. I'm closing with this. 2023 can be the best year of your life if you learn to hold on to the word and you learn to hide it in your heart. So we're going we're to hold on to the word of God and we're going to hide it in our heart and this will be the best year of our lives. Would you pray with me? I want to pray that scripture over you. I just, I just want you, where you're at, to get in a receiving posture. I, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Just open up your heart to God. Maybe you're opening up your hands just opening up your heart, your posture. God, just whatever you, just kind of get in this position to receive from God. All right. Father, I pray for our church today. How can we make it in life? There's so much that's going against us, so many attacks on our family, so many attacks on our faith. How do we make it, God? Lord, would you enable us today to live according to your word? Father, we commit to seeking you with our whole heart. Lord, help us to not stray from your commands. And Father, today, would you teach us to hide your word in our hearts that we may not sin against you, Father. So Father, we, today we commit to standing on your word, to making it foundational in our life, to hiding it in our hearts, to holding on to it, we trust that this will change our lives in Jesus' name. And I'm going to close like I always do, just kind of stay in this attitude of prayer. If you've never received Jesus, if you've been struggling in a relationship with God, maybe you're far from him, maybe you never come to him, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer that will begin a relationship, a journey with him right where you're at. If you need this today, you need a jump start, you need a fresh start with God, just pray this prayer. Say, God, today I receive you into my life. I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart and to change me from the inside out. I need a fresh start today. Today I choose to live my life for you because you chose to give your life for me. I commit my life to you today, Jesus. From this day forward, I'm living for you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. Quick clap and celebrate those who prayed that prayer.